Welcome back to another episode of the Insatiable Woman podcast. I'm Evelyn Hale, and I'm here with my co-host, Caitlin Newton. And today we're going to be talking about how men provide and what the word provide means and how he might be providing for you, even if you think that he's a dirtbag. <laughs> yes, even when he is a dirtbag, he might be providing for you, so... Um, because I think we've all been there. I think we've all had moments where we're like, this man does nothing. I'm better off without him. I'm better off by myself. Why do we even have men? Why do men even exist? If it wasn't for procreation, I would not need him. Right. But there are yeah. so many ways that men provide to us without them even really consciously knowing that they're doing it. Um, and the word provide is a word that Caitlin and I both learned from learning from Alison Armstrong, who is the author of the Queen's Code. And she is a world-renowned teacher in the area of relationships and studying men and women and understanding our evolution and our, uh, our wiring. So we've learned a lot from her. And what we've learned about the word provide is that men, men feel very uh, biologically driven to do so from an evolutionary perspective, they feel driven to provide. And sometimes that looks like money and sometimes it looks like other things. So we're going to break down some of the ways that men provide today. Yes. And, you know, I think a lot of people, when you hear provide, I think we get caught up in money. I think it like starts and stops there. And then we're like, Oh, well, he's not providing very much in that. So yes, value is gone. Yes. And the other important reason that we wanted to put this episode out there is because men are often only valued for their money. We often devalue men who aren't providing the money. We devalue, like that's their one value, almost like the the opposite. The inverse of this would be when we only value women for their being a mother, because that's what they're maybe biologically predisposed to doing. We devalue women who aren't mothers in a lot of cases, thankfully not so much these days, but historically we've sort of put them in a separate category of like, oh, you're not a mother. Like, so um, you're like less than, but um, for men, it's like, if you, there's a stigma around, if you aren't a good provider, if you're not making a lot of money, then you're seen as a lesser man. And we want to break that down today. Yes, because a lot of it goes just beyond expanding what we think of providing as. And when you start to like view your man through the lens of providing, you'll see he provides in a lot of different ways and quite frequently. Yes, yes. yes. So I'll share the first example that I've written down. And this is one that a lot of my clients have compl complained to me about, which is that their man is always looking at stocks or he's watching financial trading. Um, and he's like obsessed with his like account. So he's always like looking at, um, Bitcoin and like Doge, Dogecoin. What's it called? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> There's like so many currencies now, but there, there's this hyper focus on what's the market doing, you know? And I've, I've heard this from a lot of my female clients that he's not paying attention to me. He'd rather be on his app, looking at his stocks than, than paying attention to me. And that really hurts me. That wounds me as a feminine essence being, because I want his presence and I want his attention. And what I say to these women is, well, why is he doing that? And often they just are stumped. They're like, I don't know. He's just obsessed. They just chalk it up to, he's just 
absorbed in something that he wants to do. They look at it as being very selfish, but the redirect, the new belief that I try to help them install is the deeper reason that he's doing all of this is to provide for you. Why is he trying to make more money for you? Because provision is his gift to you that he's concerned about. I want to make sure she has her needs met that she can, you know, that I can resource her adequately. So it's very important to me that I am aware and conscious of what the market is doing. I'm very excited to announce that the podcast is now sponsored by the Magnetic Feminine Intensive, Evelyn's signature program for women who want to renew their relationships and inspire more masculine energy in their partners. This is a three-month intensive that takes you deep into belief work, trauma healing, embodiment practices, and artistic intimacy to transform your relationship from one where you're just two roommates doing life together to a hot and heavy, passion-filled, and toe-curling experience of two people partnering together in devotional union. To learn more about this application-only experience, DM Evelyn at inner.light.healing on Instagram to see if you would be a good fit. Yes, absolutely. And that's, and I think some women view it as like, uh, oh, he can't pay attention to me or like he's constantly distracted, but really it's like, I don't think he's distracted at all. I think he's very intentional with what he's doing. He may like, you know, default into it perhaps like we do with like Instagram or like a social media, just like checking it. But the reasoning is ultimately to provide for you deeper and to support the family, whether the family is just the two of you, um, further. And when we see it is that you're able, like what a different energy that has and be like, oh my gosh, it's like 7 PM on a Tuesday. And he just can't help, but want to provide for us versus like, oh my God, I think I'm going to throw that phone against a rock later when he leaves it on the countertop because he doesn't pay attention to me with it. (laughs) And this goes back to what Caitlin and I say all the time, which is positive assumption. You have to have a positive assumption about your partner's behavior. This goes both ways. If I, if we were making a podcast for men, we would say the same thing to men, but because this is for women, you need to have a positive assumption about everything he does. Because if you are constantly thinking that, you know, better, you're actually taking the masculine consciousness role. You're taking that away from him. So if you come to him and you say, you've been spending a lot of time looking at the stocks. I think maybe, maybe you should, maybe you should, maybe it's time for you to relax. Maybe you should, um, go like read a book instead, or like whenever you're telling him what he should be doing, you're taking on the masculine role. Yes. And, you know, I would love to talk about, this is a big thing. I don't know if you've ever had this issue, but a big thing for me, that I just absolutely despised was men playing video games. That was like a huge trigger for me. And then it was actually in Alison Armstrong's book because she like kind of glossed over that for a second, but that it's actually like a way that they are spending time alone. They're on mission, whether it's animated or not, they're on a mission and they're like regaining testosterone. They're like reconnecting to like their manhood and stuff like that. Um, you know, my, my longest partner was in the military and he was in special operations in the military and he was deployed five times. Um, so when you come back, you have, you know, you spent years living in this way and now you're like in society again. And you're like, I have all this 
like energy for missions and stuff. And I, I can't do that here. You know, the mission is now the grocery store. Um, so for him, playing video games was like kind of a reconnection to his like most masculine expression and what he was quite frankly, very good at. Mm -hmm. Um, it was my judgment of it as being a waste of time that really created the strain around it. It was my own perception. It had nothing to do with what platform it was because honestly, if he was reading fiction books, I probably would have had the same reaction, um, or nonfiction and be like, ultimately I'm not being paid attention to right now. (laughs) And there is a fine line between, let's say your partner is spending literally all of his waking hours playing Nintendo or playing video games or watching Mm -hmm. TV or really any behavior. You could say this for the obsessive rock climbers of the world, like anyone who's obsessed with something who's spending all their waking hours with it. Well, that's not healthy. Right. And then maybe, maybe there would be a different approach. We're talking more about the person, the, the man who comes home from work and he's spending a lot of time looking at his stocks um, or whatever, or in Caitlin's example, he's playing video games. It's not up to you to police him and tell him what he should do. Your responsibility is to express to him the truth of your heart. So this isn't to say that you can't express to him that it hurts you when he's looking at the stocks, but your expression is not one of correction. Mm. It's an expression of, ouch, notice me not you're wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. I have, I have a better plan for you. It's more, ouch. I feel like I need some love. Yes. I love that expression is not correction. It's not. And then, so let's say, you know, you're sitting down watching TV at the end of the day or whatever you're doing. And he's looking at the socks. Um, now that he knows like, Oh, it hurts her when I do this. Cause you know, we were apart all day and this is like our, one or two nights a week, we have free from, I don't know. Um, but when you're doing that, then he can say like, okay, so, you know, I'm not going to do that on these nights or like, maybe I'll set a 30 minute timer where I get all my socks in line for the night and then I'm done. Or like, you know, it gives him space to see how to lead the two of you out of that dynamic. Yeah, totally. But when you're looking at him with angry eyes and you're mad that he is making the quote unquote wrong choice, that you think he should be doing something else, you you can't express without criticism. You can't express with an open heart. You're gonna come at him with a closed heart, with judgment versus separate the resentment and the frustration from the hurt. Because the separation and the resentment is just the crust and the cruddy layer on top of the hurt. Get to the hurt, express the hurt. And then he can, he can use his consciousness to direct all that attention that he was going into providing for your financial needs to like, Oh wow. She needs emotional support. Let me provide for her emotional support. Yes. It gives him, because otherwise if he has no idea that like things are wrong or that it's bothering you so much, he's just going to keep going. Cause that's what he's thinking is like the best thing in that moment. And he doesn't have the full picture. You're asking him to like finish a painting without the full picture. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. So that one was a huge one. Um, along the lines of video games would be watching sports. And I think sports, watching sports, watching or playing video games, watching TV in general, I would like put all those in the category of building testosterone. So Mm -hmm. while he might not be directly providing for you, he's rebuilding his testosterone so that he can provide for you because going into nothingness, which is the masculine's greatest desire is to be in, in an experience of nothingness, of total freedom. 
um, being able to play the video game or watch the game or just watch TV is a place where he can be outside of like the present day problems. And it does help the body replenish the testosterone, which you want, you want a masculine with a lot of testosterone because that's what gives him the, the gusto to initiate and lead you and like, you know, get down to business with you. <laughs> like hold you, like yeah. hold that space for you. Yes, totally. Yeah. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of the above. Um, another one. So I actually asked my partner about this last night. I was like, how do you think men provide in ways that women don't understand or don't, don't see, don't recognize. And he said, attending to things around the house. So little things that get fixed without you really noticing, um, little, like, um, I don't know, it could be, it could be big things or little things, but making sure that the house is maintained, the, your, your home, your apartment, whatever you might be looking at your partner thinking, Oh my God, he's just so anxious. He's constantly fussing and tinkering and yada, yada. But is it actually that he's just providing like he's maybe he's not anxious. Maybe he's really just focused on providing for you. Yes, that's so true that I had my stepdad growing up. He was always like in the yard, like doing the, the landscaping and the, all that. And like, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh, he like, he does not want to be like spending time with us. But like, looking back, I'm like, he freaking loved when my mom and I would come out and be like, oh my God, this is the most beautiful backyard I've ever seen. You know, that was like his way of providing. Whereas instead it seemed like he just didn't want to be inside. I don't know. We are interrupting this episode to let you know about our free relationship coaching sessions. That's right. We're giving away one free relationship coaching session to a listener of this podcast each month. On this session, Caitlin and I tackle your biggest relationship problem and get to the heart of what mindset, belief, or trauma healing work you need to do to resolve this once and for all. This session is totally free. You just need to review the Insatiable Woman podcast on Apple Podcasts, screenshot your review, and email it to support at evelynhale.com or DM it to Evelyn or Caitlin on Instagram to be entered to win. Our Instagram handles are in the show notes. And now back to the episode. Right. So it's all about that positive assumption. So the negative assumption is that he doesn't want to be around me. The positive assumption is he can't wait for me to see this. Yes. And I, I really think that's what it all comes down to. Like looking for the underlying reasoning and like viewing it through the lens of like, really just like innocence. Like, cause the part of us that's thinking negatively is kind of like a, a tainted, like hurt version. Yeah. So seeing it through the lens of innocence of like, how is he delighting me today? You know, it's, there's space for it to come in then. Yes. Yes. And that is what will turn around any relationship, like more than anything, if you just change one thing, it's to take off the glasses of criticism and put on the glasses of positive assumption assume he's got a positive reason for everything he does. Um, the next one I wrote down was, um, contributing to stability. So this is one that my partner said also is contributing to stability. And in this bucket, this category of stability, it's things like, um, being prepared for like times where maybe there's a shortage of food, a shortage of toilet paper, 
Uh, I know my partner, like he, whenever he goes to the, the grocery store, he's like, oh, I think we need more toilet paper. Then he buys more toilet paper and we have like a bazillion rolls of toilet paper, but it's because, and I, I'm not at all critical of that. I think that's adorable because he's like, got to make sure we're taken care of, you know, we got to make sure I provide. And it's always coming from a place of love um, or like batteries or um, really it's just, it's the, it's the intent of like providing and um, preparation. Uh, he also said cooking, making sure you have the food you need, making sure you, I send you home with food, that you get leftovers. Um, he, he literally said, and I quote, making sure you have what you need is how, how I provide. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That's so cute. I know on all levels, but yeah. I really think a lot, I think most men, um, who are in a masculine essence are that way. I think so too. And it's really finding, like figuring out your partner's way of doing that because hearing Evelyn list her examples from her partner, like that's not at all a type of partner I have been with, but like when I still am able to view it through their own lens, I'm seeing like the little things that were more like, I remember a big argument that I had with um, my long-term partner, um, about money. And like, I felt like he was irresponsible with money because I was always the one on top of the bills and stuff like that. And I was always more the one like trying to kind of focus on like a budget and stuff, but he was more like kind of free spending. And like, but then when I saw it from his perspective, he wanted me to have like the most elevated experience I could. And it was always for like, for me. And I just viewed it as like being irresponsible and careless. And like, you know, because I have different trauma around money. So for me, I'm like, oh my God, we're going to, we're going to need a new tire. And then we're going to be homeless because we didn't budget properly. And he's like, when we go out to dinner, I want you to have the nicest dinner they have. And like, you know, where I, yeah. And like, so that's a completely different expression that the two of us are talking about of providing between two partners. So you, your husband or boyfriend or partner or whoever may not have either of these that they really do. It might be something completely different and unique to him. Um, so it's really finding like his providing language, if you will. Yeah. Even something as maybe as harmful as like criticism can sometimes in the masculine intention be providing. Um, Cause I was talking with a woman the other day and she was talking about how her partner is very critical. Um, and he's kind of always like the opposite of your partner, Caitlin, who is very like lavish. He's very frugal and critical and is like, maybe we shouldn't be spending so much. That's another, if we look at it with positive intent, that's another way of providing, of saying like, let's stretch our resources. Let's make sure we're provided for long-term. Neither one is right or wrong. Like your partner wanting to give you a luxury experience is just as valuable as the partner who wants to, who's thinking about the long-term. Yes. And they have, and it's ultimately coming down to trust too. Like you have to trust that they know what they're doing also. And that like, okay, you know, they do have a plan, even if it's not a concrete one and like Excel that they're actually like planning for, but they, they do have reason and they do have a plan as to why they do this and why this is important to them. And ultimately for you. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing this woman was complaining about was that her partner is so driven that he doesn't spend as much time with the family that he'd rather be working than spending time with them and like having experiences. And she's concerned about, well, when the kids are grown and then they're out of the house and we're not going to have these experiences and he's going to miss out. 
So in that example, like see the the good aspects of him working is that he wants to make sure that the kids and, and you are provided for for the long term, but also you get to express the hurt there, but you really do have to peel off the layers of resentment and express it without the criticism for it to penetrate him because otherwise he's just going to be protecting himself from you. So instead of um, expressing it to him with anger and him putting up his shield and being like, um, it's not going to come through, express it with just raw emotion without that anger. And he'll, that will penetrate him and he'll go, Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the times it, it might also come down to like values. Like maybe some people like the value is luxury more than like safety or preparedness, you know, that comes down to different values and upbringing too. So like odds are this person is doing the best with their own tools and experiences. Like if Evelyn, if your partner grew up having like a dad who was really prepared, then he's like, that's how my dad loved us. And this is how I'm going to love you. You know, like that's, that's what they know. And my partner grew up in luxury. Um, and that was like how he like experienced it. And that's how he likes to provide it. So it also comes from that. And you, you do have to look at values because like, while my value might be like a responsible spent, I don't know, that's not a thing that I have, but if like that was it. And then his was like luxury, those would kind of be a conflict. And that's something that you have to like identify and like, okay, you know, I like having this level of like feeling safety. So maybe we could, he could build parameters around that. Like, you know, it, there is like a mutual agreement. It's not just like, oh, well, this is how he does it. So this is how it is. Totally. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because I don't want to give off the impression that you were just along for the ride and you don't have any say in where he goes, where he takes you. Because if your value is luxury and his value is um, like protection mm -hmm. with protection could come a sense of frugalness oftentimes. And with your value of luxury, it could kind of come with a, a abundance mindset. And so then you're just like freely spending. Those two things are pretty much in conflict with each other. A lot of the time you get to still be you and express like how much it hurts you when he is um, like, you can appreciate him protecting you while at the same time saying like, I want to be, I want to feel more abundant. And how can I like, how can you help me feel more abundant? That's a tricky one. I mean, honestly, I don't know if, if you're going to be totally aligned with someone, if your value is total abundance and his value is total protection and your, and your finances are combined, that might be a little tricky, but I think if you just continue to drop into the truth of your expression, I do believe there's always a way forward in the relationship. Yeah. And there's an invitation to shift and evolve for both of you there. Like, you know, maybe he needs to explore protection through luxury. Like maybe that's an opportunity, you know, and there's, there's so much room. There's, it's such a, a gray shades of gray area. There's so much room to expand and grow that really this gives it the opportunity, but you can't do that if you're not expressing like what you're wanting to experience. Yeah. And you as the feminine are the master of energy. So if you just keep the energy flowing and you keep expressing, then anything is possible. I really believe anything is possible. So stay open-minded. I want to share some archetypes. Um, Caitlin and I wanted to talk about these masculine archetypes and get you thinking about how your partner might be expressing his uh, 
his masculine provision and he might be providing you in a masculine way through these different flavors of the masculine. So we talked about feminine flavors. And so feminine flavors or archetypes are things like the wild woman, the, um, the mystic, the mother, the, um, innocent, the sacred slut, um, the ditzy blonde. So those are like feminine sort of flavors. There's masculine flavors, there's masculine archetypes. And if you think about how your partner shows up in the world, you might recognize some of these archetypes in him and get you thinking about maybe the way he provides without in, in, in a not financial way. So we have the hero, um, we have the healer, we have the lover, the magician, the warrior, the ruler, the outlaw, the explorer, and the jester. Um, and I guess starting with like the hero, think about how your partner rescues other people in the world. Is he see somebody who, if he saw somebody stopped on the side of the road, would he help them get their car back up and running and, and going, or maybe he's not that kind of person, but do you, do you actually stop and appreciate how he's providing to others? Oh my gosh. Yes. I love that. I love like looking at the different ways because it, it goes beyond you and odds are the themes are similar. Like he would do similar things. Like he says, similar things with you that he does for other people, because that's like his flavor of providing and it can come in many different ways, but there is usually a couple areas that's like most important or impactful to him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the hero, the healer. It would be somebody who maybe their occupation is around healing as a doctor or a healthcare provider, maybe a chiropractor, um, maybe in physical therapy, but how does your partner provide through like in either, in either a hands-on or a psychological or an emotional support, creating space and witnessing the, the healing of other people, making space for other people to heal. That's a provision. Mm. And um, the lover. So your lover is your physical, sexual, uh, person who you're having intimate times with. And, um, so how is that a provision to you? I mean, I think it's, to me, it's kind of obvious, but <laughs> it's like, how is he providing you with, with pleasure and opening you up energetically in ways that you may not have known you needed to be opened energetically and sexually? Yes. And this is one that I think that there's so much like distortion around for our, like a female perspective, um, especially, because I think a lot of us have at one point either thought or heard the story of like, oh, it's just about sex or whatever, but really it's not just about like men wanting sex. It's about men providing you with pleasure. That's what they really want to do. Totally. Yeah. There's a totally false narrative that men just want to get off and they just want to, this is going to sound really crass, but they just want to hold the stick it in. That's not the case with most men. Um, I really believe that most men get their pleasure out of seeing you in pleasure. Like, let's even look at porn. In porn, women are, of course, faking their orgasms. But what's what turns men on about that is that they feel as though, yes, I'm giving her so much pleasure that she's going wild, right? Like, there's the porn isn't where the woman is silent, like the best porn is not where the woman is totally silent, like laying there. Right. So true. I've never thought about that. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. It's the fact that she's getting, she's losing her mind. And again, I know it's all fake, but like she's losing her mind, um, 
she's portraying herself losing her mind. And that's what turns the masculine on. Yes. Absolutely. Pleasure. Yeah. And then this is like a mini segment of this episode, but when you view like your partner's sexual advances as like, he wants to provide for me rather than like, Oh my God, doesn't he know I'm tired? Like what the hell? Like, of course he just wants this when I'm tired. Like, you know, but instead going to like, he had a long day at work and he still wants to provide me with pleasure. Like, you know, when you shift that, you can really appreciate those moments instead of like shutting it down by them. Yeah, absolutely. And I come from having been the one been the, the flavor of being very closed and very much in a place of like, how, how dare you come on to me? Like, I'm not an object. I'm, I'm very ashamed to admit that I was a woman who would say that, like, don't treat me like an object. Don't look at me that way. Like I cringe that I was that way, but I was, and I had to go through all that trial and error to learn, um, where I'm at now, thankfully. But yeah, I agree. Like the sexual advances are, I don't, I can't speak for every single man and every single couple, but a lot of times it's the masculine wanting to connect with you. Yeah. And when you look at that as like a language, like sexual intercourse and like sexual interaction is a language, like a form of communication too. It's like, it totally changes things because this is like, this is the way you, you know, share what's going on without words, you know, and it is him providing for you in this way. It's you expressing on an energetic level to each other. Like it really is. And this goes just back to intention. It can really be like a spiritual connection experience for the both of you. If you open it up to be that way and receive it as such. Yes. So the lover archetype, while you might be looking at your partner and thinking, he doesn't give me enough foreplay or he gives me too much foreplay or he's a sloppy kisser or he's um, what I hear strangely enough um, from a lot of women. I hear that their partners are too gentle, too soft. Um, I mean, I guess it's not strange. Actually, I understand it. I totally understand it, but there's a, we, we, we look at men and we think aggressive, right? But men are not generally aggressive in the bedroom. Like, they, they want to like give you all the pleasure. And I think a lot of men are scared to hurt you. They're scared that like, if I get a, if I get rough with you, you're not going to like that. And I'm going to be scary. I'm going to be scary to you. I don't want to be scary to you. So they're, they're very gentle. They're very loving. They're very like slow and sensual. And, and quite honestly, most of my clients want to be grabbed by the hair and like um, maybe gently and like, <laughs> like, obviously with consent, always with consent, but they wanted to be a little bit more assertive on his part. But anyway, going back to like his, his intention to provide for you, look at him as your lover and he's trying to provide pleasure for you and you have to give him the roadmap. So you've got to express to him like this hit the mark that didn't hit the mark. Can you express that non-verbally? Can you try to like literally show him with your body, how much you love it when he does the, the thing you love? And then maybe collapse a little bit when he gets it wrong. So he can actually read you. Yes. That's the biggest piece. Like let him read you like he, cause that's how I think, um, the single focused brain is able to pick up on things like that. Like from the hunter gatherer days, I think because they are single focused, they are noticing every little like movement and response from you and like kind of formulating a way that it works rather than like sometimes with the female brain from the gatherer lineage being like, 
oh, I hope my dog is okay in the next room. And like, it's kind of cold in here. And like, I think that we're with that like diffuse awareness, we can go everywhere during sex. Um, but I think he really like zeroes in. And like, when you authentically respond and react with your body and stuff, he's able to like unlock you. Yeah. I'm even thinking of something super small that you might think is insignificant, but let's say you're, um, getting into the, like you're, you're on the path to having sex with your partner and you're like fooling around, but you just took your clothes off and now you're freezing. Normally like old me would have tried to just power through, not talk about how I'm cold, just like, you know, stay, try to, I would try to really stay present in the moment. But meanwhile, my body would like, I would almost be shivering, you know, and cause I get very cold and my, my partner runs hot. So I'm like, we're, we're all, I'm always <laughs> freezing and he's like sweating. Um, but instead of not like when I tell him that I'm cold or when I express to him that I'm cold, he's like on it. He's like, Oh, okay. Like I know what to do. I'm going to warm you up because he wants me to be comfortable. Like he would feel robbed of the opportunity to provide for me. Had I not told him I was cold, like he's, he's actually gotten frustrated with me when I told him after the fact that I'm cold or that I needed something. He's like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me you were hungry? That's so true. The amount of times I'm like, I'm just not going to be an inconvenience. Then you tell them after they're like, I would have happily killed a bear and made you a coat to have you warm if you had just told me. Yes. Yeah. So even like the little things like that make a difference in that. Um, so then we have the magician, Caitlin, do you want to talk about that one? Yeah. The magician, I think that would be like, when you think of the, like, when I think of the energetic of like magician, I think of like, kind of like playful and like humorous. And that's where like the man that can like, just cut through with like humor that instantly like lightens and alters your mood and like makes it like this delightful experience and like kind of very charismatic and like kind of wows you. Like, I definitely think of that as the magician. So like, even when, you know, you're trying to have a serious conversation and your partner like makes a joke and you're like, are you effing kidding me right now? You're making a joke during this. Like, this is them trying to like provide a lighter experience for you, even though you're like, I cannot believe you are not taking this seriously. He's like, to him, he's like, wow, she seems really tense. She could probably use a laugh. <laughs> like That's all it is. Yeah. Or what about the flavor of the masculine that doesn't want to reveal his secrets, doesn't want to reveal the cards up his sleeve. He wants to reveal the magic of like, maybe he's created something for you, but he doesn't want to show you how he did it. He just wants you to see the final result. Yes. Like an experience or like planning, like a nice, like little surprise date that you don't know about, or like having built you something over a month, like, yeah, something like that. Totally. Where you ruin it. If you're like, tell me what you're doing. Tell me every single step. Like I need to know exactly how you're doing it. Like, well, what, maybe he wants to be in his magician masculine energy. Maybe he wants to wow you. Yes. Like without you, you don't need to know how just yeah. be wow. Yes. <laughs> um, then we have the ruler archetype. So I think the ruler archetype is the one who's like almost paternal in his governance and like trying to set safe, like trying to create a safe space for you, a space where you know what to expect. Um, this might be a person who is financially planning for your future. Like he's really just thinking about what's best for the kingdom and how can I best set us up for success by like adhering to these boundaries. So maybe your part, maybe you look at your partner and you think, God, he's such a, a tightwad with money. And he's like 
so rigid and he's so strict with these rules, can you actually shift your belief and think, wow, he's really governing this kingdom so well? Yes, that's such a big one. And that's, I I have an experience that where oddly enough with my luxury partner, um, he was putting away like extra money aside. And I was like, but we just moved. Like, you think that's a good idea right now? Like, I don't think we should do that right now. Maybe like in six months when we're like better, I was trying to like out logic him and like outlead him. And like, I'm so embarrassed about that by now because he was right. He was totally right. That would have been, we were fine. Like that was just me worrying that we weren't going to have enough, like my own issues with money, you know, that I had had. And like, I was just like, so challenging him on that. And he like stood at his ground. He's like, no, this is what we're doing. This is what we need to do. And I was like, oh, no, yeah. but now I see. And I'm like, no, that was totally the right call. So good. Yeah. It's amazing how hindsight is 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, next we have outlaw. I think you had a good example for that earlier, right? Yeah. That's like where, like, from my experience where a man is like, I know that like, this isn't like either socially acceptable or sometimes quite frankly, even legally acceptable, but like, I'm going to do it because this is what we need in this moment. Um, and I shared this example on the podcast, but, um, there was a time we were walking into a store, um, and I was walking on the inside of the road as to not get hit by traffic and a car just, threw it into reverse and almost backed right into me. And like my partner, like kicked the car (laughs) and like moved me out of the way, booted the car and went up to the driver and like yelled at him. And like, while that wasn't the like quote unquote right thing to do, you know, like I'm sure society would say, no, you just move out of the way and then you go about your day or whatever. But he was like, no, you need to know what you almost just did. Like, and that was where he stepped into outlaw and was like, I do not care about the repercussions of this. Like, this is what is required. Like I am keeping you safe. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love it. I had a client one time, a male client who some, he was walking by some construction worker. He lived in a big city. And um, I think the construction worker said something rude to him and he just told the guy to fuck off. Just like, (laughs) he just told him off. And I loved that. Like, that's such an outlaw thing. Like, obviously he was provoked and there was a reason for it, but that sense of like inner morality, like I'm going to take, I'm going to follow my inner morality for on the, on the, uh, for the purposes of providing for my, my family. Yes. And that, I feel like this happens a lot. And I know that like the people pleaser in me is sometimes like, but we have to just get along. Like you shouldn't have kicked that car in the moment. I did not think that I thought it was the hottest thing in the world, but like, you know, I think sometimes we kind of like are uncomfortable by that expression of the masculine. And it's like, maybe where we have our own like weak boundaries, like the outlaw archetype sees that and is like, Oh, I'm not going to let you be taken advantage of here. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Step up and do it. That's awesome. That's so badass. It's like MacGyver. Actually, I, I'm talking out of my ass. I don't really know what MacGyver is. I mean, I, I made a reference to MacGyver the other day with my partner and he was like, you don't really know what MacGyver is, do you? I was like, yeah, he's like the like karate guy, right? Like who like makes things. He was like, I love you. You are, you are so adorable. Like, <laughs> Is that, are you combining two movies? Isn't I'm MacGyver? totally combining things. I don't like, know what I'm combining. I think he's the one that can like make things out of like a rubber band and four paper clips. And it's like a, a slingshot or something. Cra- I have also never seen MacGyver though. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking of like, oh gosh. I wish Miyagi? I- Miyagi? Is that No. 
Oh, who's the guy who, it's like a karate guy, isn't he? Oh my God. I don't even know who I'm talking about. Um, some of the, one of the listeners is going to know and they can just DM me. Yeah, you could let us know. <laughs> just DM me like the name of this person and I'm going to know exactly why you sent me this. <laughs> okay. Then we have Explorer. Um, so an explorer would be somebody who maybe is more adventurous and maybe he wants to provide for you by taking you on an adventure and taking you on a trip where you like, you don't necessarily um, know where you're going or you don't have to be the one planning it all. He's just like, pack your bags. We're going to go on a trip. Or maybe he even just dreams about traveling with you. Maybe he's not actually in the execution stage, but he's dreaming about it. He's thinking about it. And he's um, maybe like wanting to get your input on it. That's all because he wants to provide an experience for you. Uh, yes, I love that. And like the, I think sometimes we can undervalue being provided with an experience. Um, I think just as a society and as a whole that like we don't value experience as much as we value like maybe more tangible things. I think we're shifting toward valuing more experiences, but I think that's really like a big one because those are things you can't replicate. And like years down the road, those are the things you remember, you know, so much that you're like, I know it, it was a Tuesday morning and we didn't have work and I was tired and I didn't want to go to that effing pond, but like, wow, it was so beautiful at sunrise. Like, you know, like those memories are with you and like, it's something you wouldn't have given yourself. Absolutely. And my partner definitely embodies this flavor because he's, if not always, if not always in the execution phase, he's always thinking about special experiences for us to have together. And the most recent one was we went out to this field near his house and we just laid and looked at the stars and he brought out a little blanket for us to lay on and then like covered us up with a blanket and we just laid there for like 45 minutes looking at the stars and it was such a magical experience that's so cute it really is um then we have the last one is jester so jester and i don't know caitlin if you want to talk about that one oh yeah i kind of already dipped into that one with magician um they're similar Yeah, this is like, when I think of the jester, I think of like life of the party, like the person who is like, okay, with taking like center stage and like being kind of like the entertainment and provides entertainment. So it might be someone who has like this really extensive background on like movies and music and stuff like that, that you're like, you may not necessarily understand the purpose of, but it's providing you with entertainment and like a good time and like, you know, if you have a partner who's like, oh, okay, let's, let's watch this movie. And you're like, I don't like, okay, I don't really, this doesn't sound exciting, but you watch it and you're like delighted by it. And like, he sees how like delighted you are by this movie. Like it's, it's him providing you with an experience that he's really proud of for that, or like providing you with a song that like totally captures your mood that day or whatever it might be. Um, or even like, I love the partner that is able to do this, especially in my early twenties, like going into like a social setting and have him just like take all of the brunt of the conversation because like, I didn't, that wasn't my flavor of life yet. Um, and I was just like, oh, thank God, I'm just going to eat cheese and crackers in the corner. <laughs> like, yeah, not I love it. That, I almost think of that flavor as being like the mayor archetype, like the mayor of town or the, the king of town. Like I, that's such a fun archetype um, that I see people embodying sometimes. But I think of Jester as being all of what you said. And then also even like a micro level where you're in an interaction with your partner and you're expressing like frustration or something. And then he just does something so silly. He just does something like goofy just to lighten the mood. 
and it might fall flat. Maybe you didn't want that flavor in that moment, but if your partner is consistently bringing you that flavor, can you, can you see it not as a dismissal, but as him trying to provide you with lightness? And he thinks that that might hit the mark. And can you express the, can you express the feeling of being dropped? Like, like, ouch, that was not the flavor that I needed. (laughs) Or if it is the flavor, can you show him that you're delighted by it? You know, I think the epitome of that is like the dad humor, like the dad jokes that are just like silly. Like I, my dad is so like, it's just adorable with this stuff. Like we'll be having like a serious conversation, like in a group and he will like wait until there's an opening and he will drop this dad joke that you're just like, you're all like uh, in one moment, you're like, we're like kind of having a serious conversation. But then in the other moment, you're like, that was adorable and hilarious. Like, okay, thank you. Like, I think that's like such a good, um, expression of that. I know. I don't know a man who doesn't love dad jokes. I mean, even men who aren't dads, like there's like a universal appreciation for dad jokes. It's so bizarre. Like, what is that? (laughs) I know. It's so All of them. It's so cute. So that is it for the archetypes. And I think that that rounds out our episode. And I hope that you guys have taken away the overall uh, goal of positive assumption in your relationship with your partner and in all men and looking at men for what they are providing versus what they are lacking. And instead of um, going into your expression in reaction to that with criticism, can you go into expressing your truth without correcting him? That is really like the main takeaway here. Yeah. And the next time your partner is doing something, whether it's something he does frequently or something he's just randomly doing in the moment that you're finding irritating or unimportant or whatever it might be, maybe pause and think, what is he providing in this moment? Like just get in the habit of asking yourself that question because odds are, if you look, it's something, um, and give both of you the space to find that thing. Yeah. I love that. It's beautiful. All right. That's a good place to close. We're both sending you so much love and we'll talk to you all soon. Yes. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the insatiable woman podcast. We hope you found it educational and entertaining. If you are not already a member of the Insatiable Woman Facebook community, please head to the link in the show notes and join us there. We are having so much fun connecting with you. And as always, if you got value out of this episode, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts as it helps other listeners find the show and it enters you to win a free relationship coaching session with Caitlin and I. All you have to do is screenshot your review and DM it to us on Instagram. Until next time, we'll see you soon and take care.